Uh, this is Casper Dernier. I'm the owner of Casper Special Event and Catering, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show, number 1512. We have a special guest co-host this month, Jamie Piha. You know her if you love food and wine. She's an event maven, having done tiny to huge promotions and events. She's worked with Tiger Oak Publications. She executes beautifully, but the fun part is her event creation. She started Lamb Jam and Seattle Wine and Food Experience. She was the marketing director for the Washington State Wine Commission way back when and has worked with many chefs and winemakers. She also has Table Talk, a radio show currently on hiatus, giving her time to co-host with us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here on Seattle Dining. Excellent. We're so happy you're here. Plus, we're going to start out like we usually do, talking about things we've eaten or places we've been. So that's going to be fun. What's What's been recent for you? Oh, my you? gosh. I feel like I've been out eating all oh. the time lately. <laughs> that's a sad life, but I'm with you. It is. You know, But, you know, the thing is, it is so hard to keep up because there are so many new places. I, I, I mean, I used to be able to, like, be on it. Like, yeah. the, you know, the week they opened, I'd be out there. But, you know, there's just so many. It's really hard Too to many. get to all of them. It is, completely. I was talking to somebody about uh, somebody in Vancouver, BC, about coming down here, and she said, "Well, what about such and such, and what about such and such?" And I hadn't been to any of them. It's like right. I run a dining magazine, <laughs> you know, but it's like you cannot hit everything. It, it is really it's it's hard. And I mean, like I was really surprised. There were a couple places in the last month that I went to that I couldn't believe I had never been to. I know, and I just felt so bad. And then I went in there, and somebody recognized me. Hi, how are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I felt so bad because I'd never been there. You know, <laughs> we we went. Tavolata. A couple months ago, we went down to Tavolata for the first time ever in seven years. Has it been there for seven, seven, seven years. years? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And, and we now were... there's either going to close it or open oh. a – it's either going to move it and open a second one or just open up a new one somewhere else because the lease what? is coming Oh, up. it's a cool space. Yeah. I like the brick in there. It's really it's really a neat space. Yeah. Um, I had – okay, so my, so my truth, as long as we're being honest here, I went to Westward for the first time. Oh, yeah. Last month. We actually went what was fairly new, but we haven't been back. I mean, I just couldn't believe. Somehow it just kept falling off my radar, and I just never got there. But you and had then to you, wait till it got really cold so it, the fireplace it, was worth sitting <laughs> next to outside. I, I will say that I thought it was an absolutely beautiful, beautiful space. Isn't it a cool space? Yeah. I mean, there's so many little nooks and crannies in there, the way they designed it. And I mean, I just loved the space, the oyster bar, the, uh, the oven, the, the yeah. outdoor seating. And you know, it's not like I would actually buy anything in there, but there's something so cool that they're selling blankets. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's they did a great job. They, they did a great job. You know, I I like a lot of things about it. The one thing I don't like about it is when I'm sitting at the bar having my dinner, <laughs> yeah. and one of the prep chefs comes over and starts ripping the foie gras in front of you. The veins out. Oh, and you're kinda, watching. It's that, a little too graphic for you? That don't go good with my dinner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, people like to know what's going on with their food these days, so... <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's horrible when they're pulling veins out and they're like, this was Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I 
find it's interesting, and we're talking about lots of different places, but it does seem like people are more interested in, um, you know, even at events, you know, when I do an event and there's a butchery demo, oh, yeah. people are crowding around trying to see how to do this and yeah. get up close, and you would think they might be turned off by it, but they're not really. Yeah. We went to a place, which is now gone, um, but they had wineries and they had a kitchen, and um, they had the people from a beef farm come in with a quarter of a cow and, do the and they broke it down. Yeah. And then there was a dinner right. and you ate every part right. of what was broken down. It's pretty fascinating. It is. Really. It There's is. one of those on our calendar that we'll cover oh, yeah. in a minute. That's right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, so places um, that I've been recently that I absolutely loved, oh, I went wow. to Orfeo. Oh, yay. And I love, because I love Kevin Davis. He's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite chefs. Undersung. He, he and his wife are just amazing, and I love mm. the way they think. I love the way they do restaurants. Yes. I mean, Steelhead Diner is like one of my, when people ask me if they're coming to Seattle, we're going to go to the Pike Place tomorrow. I'm like, you must go to Steelhead Diner, and you must have caviar pie. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, just, I just want to try to understand one thing. What? Is it after every birth they have another restaurant too? <laughs> I don't know. They've got a lot so of kids got those going four on kids now. kids and they've mm-hmm. had, you know, they've they got the twins now. and then the other two kids. Right. And it seems like every time in between they open up a new restaurant. They have been very busy. He was telling me in the last 10 years they have. Um, uh, Teresa's gotten a, degree, a law degree, an accounting degree. They've had four kids and three restaurants. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. that is a busy 10 years. So and they call that a lifestyle change. Yes. <laughs> And they bought property over on the Yakima River so that they can go fly fishing, and uh, they're they're going to have a cabin. I don't know if it's been yeah. built or not yet. I think it's been built. I mean, pretty awesome that they're they're sort of you know they're living their life the way they envision yeah. it. I think that's yeah. really cool. But Orfeo, um, I loved it, and I have to say, I got a whole tour of the kitchen and everything. Oh, and yeah. he showed me that stove he has in there. Do you know it's about the that? Jasper, the Jasper, the charcoal, which I'd never really seen before. But he, yeah. you know, we went in there and he kind of showed it to us in action how it works and everything. Oh, it's cool. kind of these shelves, right? So yeah, I haven't like, actually seen it yeah. yet. So you pull out these shelves and it's really hot in there. I mean, it's hot. I mean, yeah. you could tell when he pulled it out. It's a really interesting way of cooking. It was yeah. very, very unique. We had some delicious food. Um, it was a carbonara pasta Ugh. that he made. Of course. Had an egg on top. You know, anything with an egg on top, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Tom would be walking away. No, it was cooked. But cooked, but where you, you know, you break, you break the yolk, yolk and then you toss that yolk into the pasta. And in the carbonara wasn't as heavy as some carbonaras oh. because the cream base mm-hmm. was actually a um, celery root puree. Oh. So it, it had a lighter thickness, quality. The heaviness, but not the heaviness. The cheese, it had the thickness, it had all of that, oh. but it was... Lighter. It was so oh, so yum. delicious with um, fennel sausage. Oh, I mean, it was delicious. It was so good, and the food was beautiful. He did a great uh, piece of uh, Alaskan black cod. Mm, God, just he stunning. does it so well with beautiful vegetables. And I'm mean, like, you've never seen delicata squash look so pretty. You know, yeah. um, I, I was I was really impressed with the place, and I, I mean, and it's in the old um, Brasa Brasa, which was one of my favorite restaurants. It's such a beautiful space, I and um, and I like what they've done with the um, the tempesta. Whole, and, yes, I miss know. all the velvet though. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a little bit of maroon still. <laughs> I think it's great. I think people um I was there on a it was a dine around Seattle night, oh, yeah. so I would have expected more people in there that we were there pretty early, but um I mean it seems like that part of town is a little bit forgotten. Yeah. And they feel like it's to the place where it's coming back. People are starting to get yes, it. Yes, and there's uh, there's some other uh residential places in right. and it's 
you know, so. Well, it's totally worth a visit, folks, if you haven't been. Um, I thought the pricing was great. The selection on the menu was excellent. Yeah. And, I mean, you can even go in and just sit at the bar and watch them cooking. Oh, yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. Really, really nice. They um they do emails with uh, highlights of their I've seen their that. staff. Yeah, <laughs> the latest one was a was one of their bartenders and servers who said, "I know that we all seem to say this, but my favorite dish is that pork chop." <laughs> so now I have to go have the pork chop because it just sounds <laughs> so good. <laughs> all right, um, another place that Tom and I went uh, recently was Bramling Cross, Ethan's oh, right. new place. Right. Talk about uh, you know. Just open one every every My so often. My goodness, really? How but, he keeps up? I have no idea. I don't know. And well, I had he's had like uh, thirteen restaurants and one scooter in the last ten years. Yeah. Right? Wow. And one child. Two child. And one two, child. Two. He's right. got two now. Yeah. Two. That's two right. childs. Two childs. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was funny too because uh, the invitation came out and said, uh-huh. you know, join Angela and Ethan. Right. So we get there and we go. So where's it? Angela? And she goes. And he goes. Oh, she's in Italy. And I said. Oh, well, that invitation said, join Angela and Ethan. He goes, she's just the biggest liar. (laughs) It's so funny. They're uh, they're doing a good job. So what did you think of it? What's it like? I haven't been yet. You know what? I thought it was interesting. It's like a gastropub, and he's just upping pub food a little bit. So we tried a burger, which was real. I thought was really good. Uh Um, They have a signature chicken. Yeah, it was like a fried chicken. How did you feel about that? I was like, whatever. I thought it was okay. Yeah. yeah, it went good with the with the. They have a whole bunch of funny cocktails too, mm-hmm. and yeah. of course everybody's using. You know, it's. I think it's the decade of bitters. Oh, bitters so they had shrubs. a lot of cocktails yeah. with bitters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy who's doing the cocktails used to work for Ethan. Then he went and opened um, uh, Brimmer and Teal. <laughs> Brimmer and Heel Tap. Heel Tap. Teal right. Hap. Uh huh. Um, and now Brimmer, he's- Brimmer and Steelhead. <laughs> Everyone's merging. It's a really good bartender. Yeah, so he's back oh, at Bramlin Cross. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. So he's got some really interesting cocktails, which I think are kind of fun. Talking about cocktails, I have to say, I was in South Carolina recently, uh-huh. and there's a, a – actually, the dining scene there is pretty pretty progressive, uh, but – we went to some bars with cocktails that had so many ingredients in them. I was like, I don't have any idea what this would even taste like. I mean, yeah. you know, it was almost like it was almost like there were too many ingredients in it. I mean, it was, you know, and I, I understand, you know, the art of the cocktail and the yeah. bar chef, and I do get that, and I love mm-hmm. all the fresh ingredients, but. I mean, unless you're really up on that stuff. I mean, half the time I was, like, afraid to try the darn thing. It's almost, yeah. like, almost like the health department wants you to hand out a, a list of all the ingredients to the customer before they drink it. You know, the other thing that I don't understand about that many ingredients is that if you're a busy bar, right? how does that get made? Yeah, if you don't have time, everything huh? made up ahead and then That's you're right. throwing away the freshness aspect. What happened at this one bar was that they literally were making cocktails, like, one at a time. And I'm oh like, okay, this is crazy. Yeah. Because they're just hurting themselves service-wise. Yeah. yeah. You can't do a table for five people and, do and a co- bring a cocktail, cocktail out every two minutes. Every a masterpiece. I mean, unless you have more help. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of beverages, yep. uh, I went and talked to a woman named Hannah Hu, who is the CEO of a new place called Honor Coffee. Okay. Where is that? That is um, in the Como building Across from sport. Okay. And it's really funny because it's a little bit out of the way. I thought maybe it had taken the cheese shop spot, which I think was leaving. I hope it hasn't. They They were great. I heard something about it, but I I didn't go down and see if they were still there. And the coffee shop was not in that space. Uh But um, 
it's really interesting because they're using Victrola coffee. Mm-hmm. They're getting bakery stuff from Fuji Bakery, mm-hmm. which is a little, you know, different. And it's another woman, Chelsea, I can't remember her last name offhand, mm-hmm. who owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think her dad's involved in some way. So they're not doing anything wildly different coffee-wise, mm-hmm. except that they want to be the bridge between somebody who goes into Scar- Star- Starbucks and gets, you know, right. a drip or a, you know, single... So they're not roasting their own coffee. No, okay. but what they're totally about, it's called Honor Coffee, uh-huh. and they are talking about honoring everyone in the process, re- being respectful of everyone from the growers to the right. people who come in. Nice. And the service aspect is what they hope to make them nice. different. That's great. So we'll see how they do, and they, they want to, if they figure if they can make it in Seattle as a they coffee shop. They can make shop, it anywhere. They're going to do it anywhere, and what they'd ultimately like to do is do it in China. How cool. So, yeah. and they said that, honestly... Um, she said it's a very funny thing, but service in China is pretty non-existent. Isn't it? And she said, as a people, if you go to a Chinese person's house, you will never get better care. They will do anything they can for you, but it doesn't translate to business. Interesting. So uh, it is interesting. So hmm. that's they're open, and I had a matcha green latte. Interesting. Which is like a green tea on steroids. Okay. It's got so many antioxidants. Really okay. healthy for you. Did you feel really healthy when you were done? I walked, you know, I walked down and I walked home. So, I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's awesome. But that was good. That's Where else awesome. have you been? Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. Last night I went to Chiquetti, which oh. I, you know, I helped open that many yes. years ago. Um, it was seven years ago. Again. I was there with you one night. Remember? So um, it was fun. It was really nice. And, you know, again, they were doing the dine around thing, which, you know, is a oh, great yeah. bargain. But when I go there, I like to order all the little teeny Chiquetti exactly. plates, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's at really fun. There. Yeah. yeah, well, I sat at a table, but it had some lovely, lovely things. I think they do a wonderful job using sort of that. Mediterranean and Middle Eastern spices. Oh, yeah. And you really get that in, in the different foods that they yes. have. You know? So. you know, that's one of the things I really admire about Susan with Serafina was that they, they when they say that they get food from all over Italy, they really do. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, we had a meal there one night where they were using a lot of ingredients out of southern Italy, mm-hmm. which those ingredients are like the same ingredients you'd get over in Morocco on the other right, side of the water. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 really cool. Yeah, the I way think they do that. everything she has done has been very authentic. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. no no question. And ahead ahead of her time a little bit with Cicchetti. I mean, when you think about it now, a lo- lots of the different places that are out there doing these little yeah. tiny Italian plates, and it's exactly. like okay, you know, she just you know. Yeah. Very authentic. Right? And very so, different from yeah. Serafina. So she was taking a risk. Right. It wasn't just like, well, I'll do something similar. Right. You know? No, very different. Um, so I went there. And it's kind of fun to revisit some of the oldies but goodies. I uh, was at Wild Ginger, oh, which yeah. is still a, a fabulous place to go pre-show or post-show. Mm-hmm. And, you know... We just sat at the bar. We had a couple of satays. We, you know, shared some pot stickers. And, yeah. You know, it's still as good as it ever was. You know, it's funny. My mom and I have gone twice now in two years, maybe, mm-hmm. be- before a symphony thing. And two years ago, we went, and I was, you know, I kind of felt a little sad about it. It just didn't, it didn't do, it. do it. So, but it's I very convenient. from a couple of people. So we went back this time and had a fabulous meal. Yeah. We, it was, the flavors were so intense and so wonderful, and it was like, okay. I don't know if it was just an off night or if they had somebody in the kitchen who's not there anymore or somebody's up their game or, I don't know. Who okay. knows why? So uh, uh, <laughs> our sponsors are telling us we've got to take a break now. Oh, all right. So we'll take a little break, and we'll be right back. We're either going to keep the chatter up or we're going to go into news bites. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ponte Seafood Grill. 
Hi, this is Executive Chef Paul Duncan from Ray's Boathouse Cafe and Catering, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. the Seattle Dining Show with myself, Tom Aaron, the publisher, and Connie Adams, the senior editor, and our special guest today, Jamie Peahaw. And uh, we're going to go and talk about news bites, but the girls want to talk about... Bubbles. Bubbles. So let's talk about bubbles in the holidays. Tis the season for bubbles. It is. And everybody's a little... You know, what's the best one to do? What What's the difference? What's going on? What? How do I know what goes with a turkey or a ham? Well, and you know what? I, I mean, so here's here's the thing about that I have discovered in doing a little bit of research and writing about sparkling wine and champagne and, mm-hmm. and bubbles is that bubbles are no longer just for a special occasion. Exactly. So you can have bubbles anytime and you should have bubbles. You should always have a bottle of bubbles in your refrigerator ready to go. There's one in the refrigerator and one on top of <laughs> there, the refrigerator there you right go. now. <laughs> um, because well for for one thing, I mean obviously it's great as a as a pre-meal kind of a thing, you know, mm-hmm. as a, it's kind of a palate cleanser in some ways, but it does go with so many foods. It goes with salty foods, it goes with sweet foods. You know, you can even have a a, a whole dinner where you're just having sparkling wine with dinner and it will pair with just about everything. You know, we were up in um, or down in Portland one day, and we were uh, I'd had sparkling to start, and then mm-hmm. I was getting a halibut, and I said to the waiter, "You know, where should I go with this? Is there something that you think pairs really well?" And he kind of looked at me, and goes, "I would stick with the bubbles, right?" And it was great. So that so that's kind of been my thing, and so from this kind of personal quest to <laughs> make sparkling wine and champagne more accessible, um, uh, I, I've created an event called Pop. Bubbles and seafood. And so it's all about pairing bubbles with seafood. So we'll have about 16 chefs there, and there'll be an oyster bar and a whole bunch of, um, you know, Seattle Seattle caviar will be there. So it'll be all of these wonderful seafoods and and flavors with a bunch of different bubbles. And so the research for that and what I kind of wanted to bring to the public is what I've been sort of trying to teach myself is that sparkling wine comes from almost every country. And yes. in where champagne is just champagne from France, mm-hmm. right? And so it's been really interesting to learn about Italy and Proseccos, Spain and the Cavas, mm-hmm. um, and other French wines, um, Cremants, which are very yeah. interesting as well. And then American sparkling wine, which, of course, Washington now uh, has Treveri. We have Treveri. We have Michelle. And I think there's a couple others in process. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a little bit of research. I haven't quite ferreted out all the information about who's making sparkling, but I think we're going to see more of it. You might have to do a little article for Seattle Dining when you find Uh, all this out. I would like to do that. If he hasn't done it yet, Charles Smith is going to have to do it. Well, he has Prosecco. Okay. He, he does have a secco, which is actually okay. an Italian prosecco. He partnered with some women uh, who wanted to start this brand, so oh, he's, okay. he does have a prosecco. Um, and then uh, Argyle, of course, out of oh, Oregon, yeah. who has been you know making wine in the Willamette Valley for many years, mm-hmm. and I think their bubbles are fabulous. Um, uh, Treveri also, skipping back to them, they also are doing some non-traditional. Yes, sparkling wines, which like is really a fun. Sparkling Riesling or a sparkling yes. Gewurztraminer. Yeah, you yeah. know, 
That's good. And I think those could make for some really interesting food pairing wines as well. And the other thing about sparkling wine is that you can find a lot of it at a really great affordable price. Yes. You know? Yeah. 20 bucks. One of my favorites is from New Mexico. Oh, the the Gruet? Is it Gruet? Yes, I think it is. Yes. Yeah, it's great. They will be at Pop. Oh, good. Yeah, good, good. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get more of this uh, when we hit the calendar segment. Mm -hmm. But Pop is the night before the Seattle Wine and Food Experience, which is Jamie's event. So we'll be talking about that a little later. We could probably do a nice feature on that coming up. We are going to be doing a nice feature on that in December. (laughs) Funny you should mention it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. Um, Some of the things that are happening in around is that um, I got a bit of a bit of sad news that basically barring a miracle, Teeny Biggs is going down. I read that. Um, Somebody bought the building? It's an 86-year-old building, and I'm thinking, a little like, uh, you know, Exeter right. House. Right. You've <laughs> never you heard go. of this happening before. Yeah. They're going to put up... People buy old this buildings is, and put up new uh, wow construction you. in Seattle? Wow. This will totally wow you. Mixed-use development. Oh, my. <laughs> Something brand new. Okay. So, uh, you know, like they said, barring a miracle, and that was supposed to be a pun intended, barring gotcha. a miracle. He's been in there for how long? Uh, 19 years straight, never a day closed. That's wow. right. Yeah, and that's... then they did hula hula, you know, and that's mm-hmm. and their karaoke. Mm-hmm. Where all those people will go? So is he thinking of actually relocating or just? You know, I emailed yep. Joe when I got that and said, mm-hmm. "Hey, uh, is there a plan, or is it just time for Teeny to retire, right. Right. or what?" And I haven't heard back, so we'll. we'll I mean, have you to know, because you and that has been kind of a staple. I mean, the, remember they kind of were the people who brought martinis back, exactly. Yeah. Right. And in fact, in our calendar, they're having a Frank Sinatra hundredth birthday party. So you know, so perfect. It's just fun stuff. And he's so, a great guy. Yeah. He's. I don't know him actually. I say yeah, but I don't know him. Oh, you never met him? Yeah. He's he's really yeah. neat. He's a, you know fly fisherman. Yeah. And he just is a great has a great personality and you know he's he's been in it for so many years. Yeah. You know, kind of tried and true. Yeah. He's and he's got had the format. great bartenders. Yeah. What is this? What is this Atlantic that's opening up down in Pioneer Square? You know, I'm really hoping you weren't going to ask about that because that is <laughs> the sum of my information. <laughs> South Jackson Street okay. um, should be opening in about three months. The person I thought who told me about it, I emailed and said, "Hey, have you found out any more information?" And they said, "That was not me." So now I got to go figure out who told me that and okay. get some more information. Um, but well, just pretend I didn't ask you. About yeah. It. <laughs> so. What about uh, Renee Erickson's places? Have you been? I have not been. She's got general porpoise right. open. and uh, I and keep seeing pictures of those donuts with, oh the, with the filling coming out the yes. top, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know. And I'm kind of a carb outer person, yeah. but I would be sucking that yeah. internal. <laughs> uh, it just looks so good. She, no, she, no, she's another one who's just been on the fast track to opening oh, restaurants. I know. And what, she's got two partners. Do they, the three of them do all of them together? I think they must. I think they do. Yeah. I don't know how you do it, but... And speaking of don't know how you do it, Ponty celebrates its 25th year this year, in oh. this, this month, November. See, and I, I have always loved Ponty. I, yeah. I, used, I waited tables there. Did you really? Yes. Way oh back when God. it first wow. opened. I don't want to say anything, but it was 1990. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I did. And when it first opened, and you know, when it first opened and, the, and it had that patio and the canal, I mean, it sort oh. of, it really felt like Italy it to did. me. And it still does. It was meant to be that way. It's, yeah. you know, an Italian villa kind of feel right. and 
filled with artwork and just a, it's a really cool space. And Alvin, of course, was the opening chef, yes. and then he went to California for a while. Uh, he he was gone for a few years. He did, and I knew him when I was in California. Oh my gosh, really? I didn't realize. And that. And then yeah, then he you know came back he and came his, back. yeah. I mean, he's got a great touch yeah. and. Um, you know, it's a solid restaurant, 25 oh, yeah. years. I was talking to Rich, who owns it, the other day, and he said, you know, it's better than ever. Alvin's just doing such a killer job. That's so great. So, yeah. Let's see. Um, I got this from a pretty reliable source, but it appears that a third Din Tai Fung is coming. And it would go into the old Stars space. And- oh, in Pacific stars. Place. Stars! Which was, what was the buffet, the Chinese buffet that oh, was... T- uh- uh, thai, um, not a super China buffet. No, no, no. It <laughs> of was. Course. It was hey. not typhoon, but <clears throat> something typhoon, like. But s- yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, they got big, and the, I've never seen them since. Todo, todai, todai, todai. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So here's a story about star. Sorry, stars. So way back when, I don't know when that was. It had to be oh. like 2000 or yeah. 99. I was supposed to like have that. my wedding there. <gasps> Oops. And, and they we went had down. It booked. Yeah, and then they. Decided to close. Oh, my God. Where did you go? We ended up getting married at the Lake Union Cafe. Oh, yeah. Which was a really Uh-oh. cool space. Excuse what? me. You didn't, you didn't get a... married, like, right out in the lobby of the mall? Okay. Uh, no, we got married at... Um... We got married at the Lake Union. No, not the mall. <laughs> at the Lake Union Cafe, and it was really cool because very Art Deco-y space, and it was very nice and um, kind of a supper club feeling. Yeah. But Stars was a very unique place. It was, uh, you know, all the all the gauzy curtains and everything. It was kind of ahead of its time for it was, Seattle, and it was San Francisco. Even though, funny, I didn't even remember this, but it was Jason Wilson. It was Jason Wilson who was the chef. Absolutely, I didn't, and you Nicole, know. I remember them. They weren't married yet. Yeah, they weren't married when. I don't think they were married when they had crush. Uh, or maybe they had just I don't know. Married. Big news remember. about Jason Wilson going to Bellevue. Oh my God, he's starting a new restaurant. And you know they just—he's just into this coffee flowers thing. Yeah, so. and I just heard about that. I don't really understand what that is. They are making things from coffee as flour. Uh, yeah, they're making fl- coffee flour and then making things from that, like breads and things. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Very oh, interesting. Get better than composting. Well, I yeah. mean, it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. I'd like to know more. And in fact, that's what they're using Crush. You know, Crush closed. And okay. so they're using that building as their okay. lab. I did not realize that. Yeah. How yeah. interesting. But he had, when I saw him, he was at an event and he uh-huh. had his chef jacket on, coffee flowers. I think that, um, I mean, you know, I grew up on Mercer Island. So the east side, I've watched it kind of, it was stagnant oh, yeah. for many, many years. And, you know, only, you know, kind of big box restaurants Chains. coming in. But. And, and even still, you know, you sort of had to hunt and peck to find the real great meal over there. Yeah. But I do think that it's getting yeah. more input and interesting people coming over there. Yeah. And you have a ton of people over there that don't want to drive across the bridge. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I think you're going to see maybe more chefs wanting to have a piece of the East Side Market. And, and look at Baffle. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's gone wild. Yeah. 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 I just did a... Uh, story on Twa. Oh, Nguyen, yeah. And she's opening in Beardsley Crossing. Right. She's going to do a chinois, sushi chinois. Right. That's hard to say five times. Yeah. I couldn't even is. do it once. <laughs> I was just at uh, the... Hold sh- your tongue and say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just at the one up on the Issaquah Highlands. Oh. And I tell you, I hadn't actually been up to the Highlands for a long time. I was like a whole city. I had not, I guess, ever been there. And it was like, <laughs> what part of the world am I in? It's a whole town. It's an entire town. 
of shops. Totally unbelievable. But the thing was, there weren't very many people walking around. I know. So I'm like, okay, there's all these businesses, restaurants, cupcake place, yeah. you know, dry cleaners, shopping. I mean, everything. It's, I was stunned by how much development there had yeah. been. And a lot of cars. I think I was the only pedestrian when I was out there, but... <laughs> But the parking lot was full. Yeah. Well, so. anyway, I went into a restaurant. The food is always excellent, very clean, great yeah. use of vegetables, and healthy. I mean, a lot of her food is very, very healthy. Yeah. And so delicious. Mm-hmm. I just did a story on her, and it was just stunning that her family is one of those families who one day they went to see their grandmother in Saigon, and that night they were on a ship. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, a Vietnamese, South Vietnamese ship right. going out. They got transferred to a U.S. ship, you know. Life was over. She and, has and an amazing story. Yeah, and yeah. All, all, almost, except for one, all her siblings are dentists. Oh, my <laughs> Dentists and a chef, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I just want to thank them all for retweeting our tweet on that story because it got oh. a lot of action. Did oh, good. Well, that's because she just beat Bobby Flay. Yeah, and it was Deba. Deba Wagner oh. does her PR, yes, and right. she was nice. She was doing her job. Very good. So, yeah. Very good. Let's see. Uh, this one I just like. Mm-hmm. We probably should wrap this up fairly soon, but I just love this name. There was a place in West Seattle called Quadrato, uh-huh. which is gone. Okay. It's a little tiny place. And what's going in is Dumplings of Fury. <laughs> Isn't that a great name? <laughs> I like it. They're going to do kung fu look to the place right? and have Dumplings of Fury. I just Super. Can, can I play fun. video games when I'm in there? No. You have to go well, to Cali. There'll be a video game called Dumplings of Fury and I can... <laughs> I could play it while I wait for my Cali Burger to yeah, show Yeah, you're going to have to go to Cali Burger for that. See, oh, okay. I love dumplings, but okay, so Din Tai Fung, I just am not overly impressed with it. Thank you. Everyone's like, I can't wait to get there. I'll stand in line for an hour, and uh-uh. I'm like, I won't go back. No way. I've been three times. Um, you know, I've been uh, once in, twice in Bellevue, once at the U Village. I just, I don't get it. I mean, I, I get, you know, I don't know if it's that I'm not ordering the right things. But the place is full of Asians, so you know it must be well, awesome. Yeah. I mean, you see the people working hard making everything, and the, I'm oh, sure yeah. the ingredients are excellent and everything. I just don't, I haven't hit it out of the park yet. I haven't either. And I actually talked to a guy, a Taiwanese guy, mm-hmm. and and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's so great to have him here and blah, blah, blah. And we said, is it is it really, do you really love it though? And, he, and his little face kind of was crestfallen. <laughs> like, he goes, but we don't have to drive to Vancouver, B.C. anymore. <laughs> so it was like, even he was like, maybe it's not absolutely the best, but it's better than anything we've got. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Folks, if you want to read more of our news bites, because there's a lot of them, we only got through about a third of them, um, you can find them online at the Seattle Dining website, seattledining.com. Click on the link for news bites. And I do have one uh, reader news bites here, and that is that uh, our friend Gary Meeker tells us that the Leroy's Crispy Ribs at Earl's Restaurants, there's a bunch of them up in Vancouver, taste exactly like Kentucky Fried chicken. Huh. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ray's Boathouse and Cafe. Hi, I'm Roseanne Finkel. And I'm Charles Finkel. We're from the Pike Brewing Company. And you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
are back with the Seattle Dining Show. And uh, bef- we're going to jump into the calendar here. But before I do that, I want to thank all our listeners for listening all year long. And, and uh, it's been growing. That's great to see. And we want to wish you guys all a happy holiday out there. Um, but uh, because it is December, there is a lot going on with the calendar. Uh, some of it is based on the season, and there's some other cool stuff that's happening. So, uh, Jamie, well, jump in there and tell us what's going on holiday-wise. I mean, you might as well start off December 1st, right? Exactly. With a holiday cooking and tree decorating. Uh, Roach Harbor, why not get out of town for the day? Right, fun. Yeah. You know, check it out. It's beautiful. Lake Dales Resort. Uh, They have beautiful log cabins. um, And they're doing a a holiday cooking and and tree decorating event. So kind of all the trimmings that go along with that. Hard cider, which, of course, I am loving hard cider these days, right? Oh, yeah. so good. And and cookies. I mean, what's not to like, right? I know. And they're rocking around the Lake Dale tree. Yeah. How fun. (laughs) So anyway, they have a package deal going on, $2.79 a night uh, per night. And uh, you have to stay for two nights, but it sounds like a great thing How to fun. do. It could be kind of a romantic getaway, or you could even go with the uh, kids and yeah, have with a great your family time. and trim the tree. You, you yeah. wouldn't want to go up there for less than two nights anyway. I know. Yeah, it's a lot of travel. Well, yeah, fun. and I mean, you might as well get away and really have fun and get into the spirit. It's a great exactly. way to kick off the month, I exactly. think. Exactly. And you know, uh, this isn't a calendar thing per se, but I wanted to bring up the fact that Whole Foods does, uh, most groceries, you know, PCC will do this, Met Market will do right. this, but. Whole Foods has so many meal packages, and that what's making me laugh is that it's traditional holiday dinners, or you can do uh, an intimate one for four. You can do the holiday ham dinner. They've got vegan prime rib, um, uh, paleo. Wait, is it vegan prime rib together? No, no. it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> vegan, comma, prime, prime rib. Well, okay. no, the prime rib, he only ate vegetables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. But, you know, that they have a paleo dinner, uh, it's amazing. I mean, you know, it is true, though, that people, there's so many special orders these days. And Even needs. in restaurants, they yeah. must be going crazy with all the specialties people yeah. ask for. Oh, yeah. And gluten-free is, you know, everywhere. Right. So. Exactly. On the second, and we mentioned this earlier, but I think this would be a blast at Teeny Biggs, Frank Sinatra's 100th birthday party. And the thing is, they're going to be doing, uh, they've got music in there with the sounds of Sinatra from 7 to 9. But they're doing special pricing on Jack Daniels, Sinatra Select, and Frank's Classic 321. Three rocks, two fingers, and a splash of water. <laughs> um, Hula Hula's going to have Sinatra karaoke that night. Oh, I bet that would be fun yes. to watch. And the food's going to be like oysters, Rockefeller, creamy garlic chopped salad, spaghetti and meatballs from Frank's you, mom's you, sauce you recipe. You can expect to lose it by midnight. That actually sounds really fun. It does. It really, does. really fun. And since they might be leaving, I know. Might be good. Better time. get in there. Best but, martinis in town. You know, they're yeah. so successful. I think they'll pop up somewhere else. Or Unless, they may, like you said, it's a mixed use, so maybe they're going to wind up back in the same I building. Can't. I don't know. I just worry about the guy that I don't know that maybe he's been in it so long he's Keith. ready. Keith. 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 Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm. maybe. I mean, it's a strong brand. I mean, you know, he yeah. could continue it if he wanted to. Yeah. I mean, you know, you never know. Yeah. And he, maybe in a place that. He's easier to, of course, he's yeah. really easy to get by bus, but yeah. Anyway, so there's a Peruvian dinner coming up at Mescalaria, Oaxaca, on Capitol Hill. Hmm. That's on the second, also. So you're going to have to make a decision or perhaps do both. <laughs> um, they've got a chef coming in, Andy, Andy Nan, who is formerly of Modernist Cuisine Lab. Right. He's been a number of places. So it's going to be um, $100. There's a multi course dinner, a Pisco education and tasting. 
photography tour of Peru. Uh, they can only hold tw- 20 people. So if this is interesting to you, get on it. So you, you start the night off with some tequila and then you move over to Teeny Biggs for the martinis, all right? Oh, God, that's going to be so fun. And the oysters. Mm. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Peruvian food. No, I don't either, it really. It sounds interesting. And, and there's been a couple places, uh, Bellevue and someplace in Seattle, and I'm, the Bellevue one's gone for sure. Seattle might still be around. It's not mm. a big thing here. Huh. So now or now. yet yet. Um, so, okay. Along the holiday theme, uh, you know, wine. Well, first of all, wine is such a great gift and, oh, yeah. uh, winery tasting rooms are great places to shop for the holidays. Cause there's all kinds of fun things. Plus you can buy wine for yourself, but, uh, <laughs> the weekend of December 4th is the St. Nick's holiday wine tasting at uh, Mulbach's and that kicks off the weekend of St. Nick's, where you can go around to different wineries and, and taste and have special kind of holiday festivities. And there's wineries that aren't normally open or things like that, yeah, right? Yeah, it used to be that way. I think it's Most kind of, of them are open changed now. over the years. So some of the newer ones really are open for that, that holiday weekend type yeah. thing. But the the kickoff night at Mulbach's is amazing because Mulbach's is in full regalia for the holidays. Oh. And it's just stunning in there. And oh, so the wineries beautiful. are sort of dotted around Mulbach so you can... And there's some good food as well. So you can taste and nibble, but you can also shop at Mulbach's. And they, they oh, don't yeah. just have plants. Oh, I they've mean, got a lot they of gift have things. an amazing giftware section and all kinds of cool, fun gifts. Yeah. And uh, I always find it difficult when I go to Mulbach's because I want to buy things for other people, but I always want to buy something for myself <laughs> when I'm there. So that's one way to get a whole bunch of wineries yeah. at one time in one location if you want to go to that in the evening. Or if you want to buy a ticket for the weekend, then you can do the Saturday, Sunday, and and um, basically, you get a free tasting pass to all these different wineries, and you can drive around Woodenville or take the shuttle and visit all these different wineries. Some will have holiday music, some will have holiday treats, and it's just a really fun way to kind of kick off the season. And it's very festive, isn't it? Because you're seeing the same people, you cross paths, yeah. and everybody's oh, happy. People and... wear it's really funny. There's a whole bunch of groups that come every year and wear their ugly Christmas sweaters. Oh, geez, <laughs> it's super fun. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm noticing on the calendar here is, you know, we have the the motorcycle magazine also, and uh, like 50 percent of the Harley Davidson dealers are doing "Come and Get Your Picture with Santa." Oh, nice! And I don't see any restaurants doing "Come and Get Your Picture with Santa." Well, you know, I'm um, feeling left out. Yeah. You know, actually, Ivers Acres of Clams. Ivers. You can get your picture taken with a clam in a santa hat that's cute so it's you heard it here folks you heard it here first (laughs) and actually it's on it's in our little holiday section Uh on the magazine oh right and they're right on top right now so you can go out there and, and get some information about that acres of clams santa clam really nice um also holiday ish is the winter beer festival on the fourth all these beverage things on that weekend but it's over 50 Washington Brewers Guild member breweries, and they showcase their tastiest or boldest seasonals um, to get you in the spirit. Um, so they've got some dark malty stouts, robust, robust winter warmers, all kinds of things. So it is a fundraiser for the Washington Brewers Guild, and it is 21 and over only. Very nice. So we've got wine, we've got beer, and now on December 6th, we've got Hanukkah at the Golden Beetle. 
uh, which Perfect. is awesome. The Golden Beetle is uh, Maria Hines' uh, restaurant. And uh, so let's see, from December 6th through the 14th, she's offering a special Hanukkah menu, which is just lovely. You really don't see much of that out you there. Don't. I think that's really neat. Um, traditional dishes, um, let's see, kosher wines will be available. So some of the specials, of course, potato latkes with homemade applesauce and cream fresh and green onions. My favorite, matzo ball soup. Yum. Love matzo is that, soup. Is that with the schmaltz or without the schmaltz? Oh, I would imagine she does the real thing. Smoked chicken, <laughs> uh, roasted root vegetables, uh, stuffed donuts. Um, it sounds fabulous to me. Golden Beetle is located in Ballard, and um, you know she just has a way with food, and just it's just a lovely place. So check it out. Yeah. That's that's December sixth through the fourteenth at the Golden Beetle. And then on the 9th, the Salish Lodge and Spa's Culinary Adventures Educational Series continues. This one is Beef Tenderloin One Hundred One. So you get to understand beef tenderloin, how it's great for a holiday feast, techniques to make sure you get 100% yield out of large cuts of meat. Um, That's terrific. It is terrific. And it's $65 per person, I'm imagining. There's food and drink and, you know. It's and that one's sponsored by the World Health Organization? What? It, it, that event is sponsored by the World Health Organization? I, I highly doubt who that. Who just released all that important oh, information. Oh, about how you're, you're trying to be funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Along with the schmaltz. That's why they got me here. <laughs> no, yeah, it took me a minute, but I got it. Uh, well, and the Salish is beautiful. I mean, again, uh, it you know, some of these places you go to, it make you just realize how fortunate we are to live in the Northwest because – one, the the beauty, but the resources, you know, and the beauty that surrounds us is so amazing. And yeah. it's no wonder we have such a great food culture. Yeah. You know? It's just everything. You can get so much here. Yeah. It's so local, so fresh. It's amazing. Yeah. So we're back to wine on the 10th, and we're talking about a winemaker, a very special winemaker dinner with two major winemakers here. You've got... Um, uh, Mark McNeely from Mark Ryan Winery and Pepperbridge winemaker uh, Jean-Francois Pellet from Walla Walla. Nicely done. So a combination dinner at the Barking Frog with, of course, uh, Chef Bobby Moore. And uh, I would venture to say that that is going to be an amazing dinner. Um, yeah. All of their wines are award-winning, mm-hmm. uh, over 90 points and above, probably every single one of their wines. exactly, uh, And I think that uh, in combination with Bobby's food and holiday festivities, that uh-huh. would be an amazing event. So it's $150 per person. So the price is kind of up there, but it is a five-course tasting menu. So yeah. you will be there for a few hours. Yes. Wear comfortable pants. <laughs> and, you know, people – now, sometimes, like, Bobby tends to – Go overboard. Tasting right. menus generally are small portions. That's right. People can freak out about that. It's like, I can't believe I paid $150 and I got this. This little tiny but thing. But you know what? You are so full That's right. when it's done and you are so satisfied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got those dockers with the stretched sides <laughs> yeah, on Yeah, there them, you right? go. Yeah. Did exactly. you see that thing? Van Heusen is making men's shirts now with expandable collars. Oh, so- so I guess you know so if when you, you run just, out of room down below, when you you're can just start when you're full, when you're full up up to your, here, <laughs> do they gain? Wow. I've never thought about people gaining weight in their neck, but interesting. But <laughs> you know, on the fourteenth is something interesting at the Pink Door. They're doing an evening cabaret from the movie musical Backyard Astronomer. Huh. Now I cannot possibly go because it doesn't even start until ten p.m. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it will be fun. You know how crazy Pink sure. Door can be, yeah. and that it, I think that'll be a, a really fun thing. It's a movie musical. It's an original script. Um, I think it'll be fun. Fifteen original songs. Very fun. And dinner? No. 
Uh, you know, I don't think it's so. They're saying $10. that you uh, grab a drink, pull up a bar stool, and join the rest of the dreamers of the world of the backyard astronomer at the pink door for 10 bucks. So, no, that would not include dinner. Okay, here's something that is totally up my alley. I love this. Beast Lake series whole animal dinners at Blind Pig Bistro. Uh, the chef from Blind Pig was at Lamb Jam this year, yeah. and um, I love this. First of all, I think whole animal dinners are just fascinating. Terrific. I really do. So this one, it's a Monday, uh, let's see, what does he say here? December 14th is the third in a series. I guess mm-hmm. they've been doing this they for have a been. while. Um, so they will also have a selection of uh, six to eight sides you can eat. And um, does it say? November is all about duck. November, Northern European. Duck. I'm not sure what it is in December. Does it say what it is? It doesn't say. Oh, doesn't say. <clears throat> they're digging up. We'll fix that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It doesn't say what it's going to be in December, but you can, you'll be guaranteed it's going to be really fun and interesting and educational at the same time. And it looks like they do have a special cocktail, a sherry cocktail, which sounds kind of interesting to me and actually pretty holiday-ish. Yeah. And he does a different cocktail to go with each one. Uh-huh. So it's hopefully, very, very hopefully sherry is not uh, November. <laughs> we'll have to go in and see what's okay. going on for December. Um, there's a holiday cooking class at Blue Ribbon Cooking, and that, you know, not only do they do a good job, but they're right down there on the water, right on the water. It's a great space. It's a great space. So um, this is a cooking class, 95 per person. Um, you get hearty appetizers and ho- holiday cocktails to start. Then you go into the cooking class, you learn to make holiday favorites with a salad course, followed by entrees, and then dessert. And then once you make, you learn how to make them, then you get to sit down with for dinner it's and a really beverage. It's fun. So. Very fun. I think that's fun. And, you know, actually, that's the kind of thing. I love the idea of giving experiences as gifts. And I think, I, know. I mean, you get to enjoy it, but you get to spend time with whoever you're giving this experience to. Yes. So you get to spend time together. Then you've got the memory. Do Yeah, doing something fun together. And I think that's part of the reason so many of these appeal to me is, mm-hmm. is that, you know, it'd be a great thing to do even as a couple, it would be yes. a fun thing to do together or with another couple mm-hmm. or just a group of girlfriends. Yeah. Super, super fun ideas. And um, Instead of messing your own kitchen up during the holidays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or at least learning how to do it before you mess your own. Then up. you don't have to do the dishes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing them a lot anyway. Well, let's see. Now, Christmas Eve. Okay, so yeah, Christmas Eve dinner out at the fireside at Port Ludlow Resort. Now, you were saying you were just at Port Ludlow. I was just at there, and it is just the most peaceful place to is me. I don't I've know. not I just, been. Oh, so you know what? It takes about forty-five minutes or fifty minutes to get there from okay. Seattle. It's a thirty-minute ride. Right. Of course, we. It took us. Oh, I don't know, eight hours because we had to spend seven in Port Townsend. <laughs> but um, it's just great. And Dan does such a incredible job. Nice. So you could do that for Christmas Eve if yeah. you want to go out. And you know, and a lot of people are making that option. Yeah. Sometimes you know? it's just easier. Sure. Especially if you have yeah. like some relatives in town and. You know, you're going to do a big Christmas thing. Christmas Day, Ray's Cafe is open on Christmas Day. You know, last year, I think, possibly two years, I think this is the second year they've been open for Christmas. They never used to do it. And both the boathouse and the cafe are open, so you can do luncheon or dinner at the cafe Uh or just dinner at the boathouse. Mm -hmm. Is it the same menu at both the cafe and the boathouse? Because the price is the same. I'm seeing forty five dollars well, for adults and twenty for well the the boathouse is twenty two fifty for kids. Why do the kids well, have to pay more to eat at, at the boathouse? At the boathouse, it's a three course meal or their regular menu. At okay. the cafe, it's a buffet. Okay. Ah, so. Oh, I see. Okay, mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah. So you know, I worked at Ray's Boathouse too, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was there yeah. for about seven years. That's right. A long time. A long time ago. When I think about Ray's Boathouse, I mean, I can even say this today. 
it doesn't matter what time of year. I mean, you know, people love to go there in the summer because yeah. of the deck and the view. But you know what? I worked there many a winter. It is a stunning view no matter when you go. Oh, and yeah. the weather actually... It's kind of cool to be there when the weather, when you're in winter. It's so northwest. Yeah, it's really. You're on the water. The clouds are rolling in. It's just. And a lot of times it can be cloudy all day, and then the sun will break right at sunset. Yes. It'll break through, and you get that that golden or or red color over the Olympics, and it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Christmas dinner you can also get at Trellis, as well as New Year's Eve dinner at Trellis. So there's. Uh, Christmas is going to be a four-course meal. It's five-course at New Year's, so check those out. Um, $80 for uh, Christmas dinner, which, you know, for a, a nice meal like you're going to get at Trellis. Listen, he does, and I see here, succulent lamb. And, uh, uh, Brian does such a great job with lamb. I mean, oh, he's I, a lamb guy. Huh? Oh, lamb does, jam, hello. But he does, he does a great job with everything. Yeah. But he does do a superb job with lamb. Uh, and that's what's on uh, the menu. One of the things, succulent roast of lamb. Yeah. And that sounds pretty good to me. Yum. Um, lobster bisque, New Year's Eve. That sounds good, too. Yeah, that's never mm. bad. I just can't believe it. <laughs> so what's happening at Willow's Lodge? It looks like they're doing a big New Year's Eve celebration as well. Dancing. Dancing, because you have to dance on New Year's Eve. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Robbie Christmas music. And he, he's a great name, Robbie Christmas, Robbie Christmas, for New Year's and holidays. But he plays a lot of village <laughs> wines. Oh, okay. Yeah, his music's pretty well known. He's got quite oh, okay. a following. Um, so yeah. that could be fun for New Year's Eve. And, you know, um, there's things at... Willow's Lodge that are like Barking Frog or Willow's Lodge. So, right. um, like, there's some information out there about their packages. So you can stay overnight instead of partying and driving. Right. You know, right? So think about that. All right. Um, and uh, I'm we're just gonna, gonna we're gonna break out here. Okay. I just want to say one thing, which sure. is keep looking at the magazine because we don't have all yeah, the Christmas and New Year's things up. Sure. So. Um, so uh, what we got? We got an interview coming up next. Yes, who do Na- we have? Natasha Robson Lovato, who, with her mother and her husband, owns Cedarburg Tea House on top of Queen Anne, South African, just wonderful place, and it was really fun to talk with her. Neat. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be right back with that interview in just a moment. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by. The Fireside Restaurant, located at the resort at Port Ludlow. This is Uli from Uli's Famous Sausage in the Pike Place Market, and you listen to the Seattle Dining Show. Today we have Natasha Robson Lovato of Cedarburg Tea House with us. Welcome. Thank you. You bet. Now you and your mom and your husband started the South African Tea House on top of Queen Anne. None of you had a background in food or beverage. So how did this all happen? <laughs> well, yes. One, we're crazy. That's how that <laughs> happened. Um, but no, really, it was. It actually started with my husband and I getting married. Um, we wanted to throw a tea party wedding. But uh, we didn't have, there was no one who really catered for tea parties. And so we, um, my mom and I decided to cater the tea, the tea party wedding ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, we had to buy a bunch of tea party cutlery in China exactly. and all of that sort of thing. And after the wedding was over, we looked at all the China and, um, 
and we thought to ourselves, well, one, we can sell it on eBay and make a little money back, or we can start our own catering company. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We started our own catering company, and we thought that was the way to go, but we really didn't like catering. <laughs> Which is a bad <laughs> so, thing. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you've got a company. And really what it came down to was we wanted our own kitchen. We didn't like working in commissary kitchens with yes. other people's stuff and their equipment and and that sort of thing, and we wanted our own space. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's what we did. So we we decided to start looking for real estate and and opened a shop. Mm-hmm. And it was a little crazy because none of us have any business background, no MBAs, no you know how to run yeah. a business, no background in studying for food and beverage. And oh. so it was just really out of the blue, and and we love it. Oh, that's great. Now you are from South Africa, and the tea party is a big thing. Yes. So I'm I'm originally born and raised in South Africa. I actually have an accent that switches back and forth between my American and my <laughs> South African. Um, but yeah, so I was born and raised there and tea is just a very big thing there. Not necessarily specifically a tea party, but just okay. tea in general. Um, South Africans wake up and have tea, you know, every morning and mm. then probably about three or four times throughout the day. Okay. Um, so it's a big part of our culture and what we do. Um, tea for us is really a time to slow down, um, to take some time with your friends, to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really something we would ever have on the go or in a rush. Oh, okay. And so it's not like a Starbucks thing. It's not a coffee. No, no, absolutely oh. not. And actually, Starbucks uh, and and companies that do that sort of thing haven't really made a dent in South Africa because of the fact that a South, to a South African, the concept of having tea in a paper cup on the run would defeat the entire purpose oh, of tea, which is to I sit. Love that. Yeah, and they're on their third tea company now too. Uh, Starbucks. Yep, exactly. But it's just not. It just doesn't ever take off. Yeah, and know? it's and I think part of that is because for most of those of us around the world who celebrate the tea culture, it, it is about the experience of having tea. It's not about the product itself. It's not about yeah. necessarily where the tea came mm. from or where it was. How it, you know, how it's brewed. I mean, South Africans, their favorite teas are bagged teas that are just boxed and, you know, not necessarily expensive, fancy tea. It's just plain black breakfast blend called Five Roses. And then something called Fresh Pack, which is a version of rooibos. Oh, my And gosh. that's what we brew. And to this day, South Africans will come into the shop and they'll say, well, can I have some Five Roses? And I'll say, well, I can sell you a box on the shelf, but... I'm going to give you something that's of higher quality. Yeah. It's a breakfast blend. It'll taste very similar, but it's much higher quality. And they're like, can't you just open the box for me? It's just, can just, you just brew that? Maybe you just, maybe you just uh, raise the price up on that and make it about 30 bucks a cup. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, but, but that's the thing. For a South African, it's, it's, they just want what they know. Yeah. And they want to sit down with their friends and they want to have a good time. Yeah. And so, um, so we wanted to bring that kind of culture to Cedarburg. We wanted Americans to to learn what it means to slow down, yes. and to enjoy the moment, mm-hmm. you know, and not to do it in a way where they come into our shop with their computers by themselves and sit on the computer all day long. But that they would bring their friends, and we would create an atmosphere and environment where people wanted to bring their friends and yes. enjoy that experience of slowing down and taking time to speak to people. I think that must be working because I live nearby and every time I'm near there, it's packed. Yeah. 
It's been going really well. Yeah, it do you, has. Do you have a program where you could take my blood pressure when I get there <laughs> and then take it as I'm getting ready to leave and see if it made a difference? Uh, you know, I think it would. Um, I do have a blood pressure <laughs> monitor machine, so remind me next time to bring that out when you're there and yeah. we'll test it. But it really, you know, that's... South Africans are very low-key. We're very laid-back and relaxed kind of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I attribute some of that to our tea breaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that mental thing Absolutely. you've made the break how did you guys get over here why did you come from south africa you know my parents had the opportunity to to move my dad had a friend who lived in phoenix arizona in um 21 years ago who said hey come work for my company and um you know he he took the opportunity to do something new and do something yeah. different he thought that it would be a really good my brother and i were 12 and 13 at the time and he thought that it would be a really good opportunity for us to experience a new culture and a different place and Mm -hmm. and just more opportunities you know america is the land of opportunity in everybody's mind and as south africans that's exactly what we thought was that america was this place this amazing place that we would go and have these incredible experiences and uh, and we certainly have i mean we've been here now 21 years and you know it's it's been an experience yeah but we missed home a lot and that was part of the catalyst for wanting to open this business was I missed I missed South Africans I missed home Mm -hmm. and I wanted to share a little bit of my home with America yeah um, and give them a taste of of what I miss well and one of the things you and I've talked about before is that obviously other South Africans feel that way because you thought you were part of the South African group here and you guys thought you knew all 250 families <laughs> yes. who were here. And you found out there's a lot more. Oh, no. I mean, it's just, it's exploded. And at this point, we have people coming from all over the country, actually, because they've yeah. heard about us. And, you know, just just on Sunday, I had someone in from Boston, a South African from Boston. Um, we have South Africans from San Francisco frequently that, you know, come up. We've actually got quite a few from the San Francisco Bay Area. And wow. we have them from all over the world that they've heard about us. And, and now they want to come and, and try this when they're visiting town. You know, I don't, yeah. I'm not trying to say they come just yeah. for us. but <laughs> They do. But. <laughs> but they definitely, when they're up here visiting Seattle, that we're one of their main stops, you know. Yeah. So. I think that's amazing Yeah, that the, the word, the drums are beating, you yes. know, people know. Well, you know, there's only really, I think in the entire United States, maybe 10 South African restaurants. It's not something that is popular here yeah. in the U.S. So I think when a South African hears that there's a South African restaurant, then they're going to go come. because it's not like they're going to yeah. get that anywhere. Now, it's not just tea, though. You've got food, too. So tell us about what the South African dishes are. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a lot of sweet and savory treats. Um, we do them kind of in individual sizes that people can buy, much like any other coffee shop you would go to. We have um, something called, our most popular item is a malfa pudding, oh. which is a syrupy rich cake, and it's gooey mm. and delicious and gets heated up and um, we have a lot of people come in who are pretty addicted to the malva pudding. <laughs> um, and then my husband's all-time favorite is the milk tart, which is like a milk custard. Ooh. So it's kind of like a mix between creme brulee meets snickerdoodle. Um, and that's really delicious. So those would probably be our two most popular dessert items. And then our scones. Um, we bake our scones to order, so people have to wait about 15 to 20 minutes to oh, get them. wow. But they are fresh out of the oven and super delicious. Um, and scones are a staple in South Africa. Okay. You always have, in the afternoon, tea and scones is just tradition. Okay. Um, 
Is that just regular white flour? Or do you do any with like a whole grain flour? No, or? we just actually do a plain white flour. It's just a plain scone, and then we serve it with jam, cheese, and cream. Mm-hmm. And in South Africa, we like to mix our jam and cheese as like a sweet and salty kind of topping on mm. our scones. So, uh, mm-hmm. so those are the favorite. And then we have sausage rolls, which are ever popular. That's one of the savory treats. And we have pasties. Um, pasties are like a little pie baked into a hand-held you know, yeah. kind of edible. Just and um, those are those are really popular. We do very different flavors. And then our the okay. something you, truly unique is the bunny chow, which is a South African street food. It's curry served in a bread bowl, and oh. we have different kinds of curry. Kind of rotates on a weekly basis. Oh, yum! Can you hear the accent coming out? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> the more I talk, the more it comes out when I speak about South Africa and food. <laughs> and food. I don't know how to describe it without reverting back. <laughs> Now, how did the name bunny chow come around? Well, that's actually really interesting. The um, the people who invented it in South Africa were in Durban area. Um, there's a very large Indian population that live in Durban, and they were the Banai people. Um, uh, that is a particular caste system of um, that would be the merchants and those who own okay. storekeepers and that sort of thing. They okay. would be called the Banai, and then Banai eventually just turned into Bani. Um, but it, it doesn't have anything to do with rabbits or anything like yeah. that. Um, it's, we use chicken and lamb and beef and oh, vegetable curry. They, well, they just had a lot of curry. And so the, the story goes is oh, that, I, I mean, there's a lot of stories, but basically what happened was, is one of the main stories is that the, there were poor kids who, um, who wanted, went to the shopkeepers with hollowed out bread and oh. asked them to fill it because they were they were starving, and so they asked them to fill it, and then they would pour it in, oh, and then that okay. became something that the shopkeepers did. So that's one of the stories. And then another story, which is probably rel- relatively accurate, is that it was created because um, people of color during apartheid couldn't go into restaurants. And so okay. this was a way to serve people out the back window. Oh. And so they would hollow out bread and they'd fill it up with curry and then they would sell it out the back window of the kitchen. Okay. And uh, that was a way to feed the people who weren't necessarily allowed in the restaurants. So there's all these different kind of theories about how it came about. Um, but no matter what the, the, the actual story is, the reality is it's delicious. Yeah. And it's a big bread bowl <laughs> filled with going. curry. <laughs> and you're supposed to eat it with your hand. But because we're in Seattle and... Because, you know, we're a tea house, we serve it with a spoon on a plate. <laughs> but if someone uses their hands, you actually applaud absolutely, them. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. That is the traditional way. <laughs> now, the way it works at the tea house is you go in and you order at a counter and sit down, but you guys provide table service after that, which is, I'm wondering if that's sort of a British thing. I found it the first time years ago in Australia. And now you see it around Seattle, but it didn't used to be common here. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. We we wanted to do the hybrid because in South Africa, actually, um, there would be no such thing as ordering at a counter. That is very oh. rare. And part of that is because there's such a huge labor force. Um, there's oh. so many unemployed people that um, one of the things that restaurants do is that that's just you always are waited on. Okay. Um, so it's very rare. It's starting to happen now as South Africa westernizes a bit more and, and gets a little bit more of an American influence. Um, you do find some restaurants where you order at a counter, but it is still very rare. Oh, okay. Most of the time you would walk in, you'd sit down, a waiter would come over um, and serve you, and everything would be taken care of. 
um, by that by the waiter and the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in America, you know, we have this, we wanted to kind of do a hybrid where we still had people have that experience of us delivering to their table and then checking mm-hmm. on them and making sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but still have that comfort of sort of a fast food, uh, you know, Starbucks kind of yeah. experience um, that they would be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And because it is America, people are going to come in and get tea and yes, go. Exactly. And you have espresso also. So we do. Yes. They might just come in and get a beverage and leave exactly so easier exactly. to have the counter exactly so we just okay. we just thought that it would be a, a good version of the hybrid okay now the tea parties that you've started why did you start those if they're not necessarily a big thing in well they i mean they are they're not a huge thing tea is for everybody but mm-hmm. something we do indulge in and enjoy is to go to an actual tea party or to have an afternoon tea where you would have small mini items served mm-hmm. on a three-tiered tray um and so that is something we do there. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the most um, common thing that we do, but mm-hmm. uh, we definitely wanted to do that. And mostly that was that was just, a, you know, I would say more of a business decision than anything. It's, oh, okay. it's a way to... Another you, thing to offer. It's another thing to offer, exactly. Okay. And we do feel like in the South, um, in the Seattle area, there's not necessarily, there's only a few people offering high yes. tea. Yeah. It's not something that is super common, and so it has really taken off. And, I mean, we do a lot of high teas on the oh, weekends, wow. and even now during the week it's starting to really take off. So it's obviously there's a market for it. People yeah. want to have that kind of fancy experience. But what we really like about ours is because we're not frilly, because we're not, you know, all this dainty, frilly environment, um, men really like coming for oh, afternoon okay. tea. Because they get a little uh, more... Uh, substantial food well there's more substantial food and then also they're just not in an environment where it seems super girly yes and so they don't feel like they're having to play the part of sort of prince and princess and so we have a lot of men who actually come back for tea and enjoy the high tea experience in a way that is more sort of um it's just sort of more friendly to to everybody yeah um now i have a british friend and she is on the track of people saying high tea when it's not high tea Oh, yes, yes, there is so definitely... for you, what is high tea and what's, like, yes. afternoon tea or something? Well, high tea would be more where you serve it at a, a table that is high and you're sitting around. Oh, okay. and then um, And then most of the time, high tea would involve uh, food. So it would involve, you know, a salad course and a soup oh, course, okay. and then it would also involve the, the smaller treats. But that would does be it, a Does it get tea. a third dimension now that we have uh, marijuana legal in the state? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one, but um, but that would be high tea. And then afternoon tea would be at a low table, um, usually served at a couch area. And that oh. would be, and so yes, technically, if you're going to be very technical, ours is more of an afternoon tea, which we have actually labeled it as afternoon tea. Oh, okay. But Americans really know it as high tea. So it's it's interchangeable here in America, I think, yeah. to call it a high tea because they, they think of the three tiers and they think high tea. Yeah. Um, so we haven't, it's not like we correct people, but yes, traditionally. And, and in South Africa, tea for us is more of a low tea. We, we, we're not formal, a, formal in any way, shape or yeah. form. So okay. uh, now you're the one who's doing the cooking. A lot of it. I mean, I have, my mom helps. Okay. Um, she does a lot of cooking yeah. too. And you've been testing things. I mean, you, yes. Yes, absolutely. Before we opened, we spent a lot of time testing recipes um, kind of coming up with perfecting the recipes. They're all family recipes. 
that um, I've adapted or changed or played around with or okay. combined them with, you know, I'll have three family members that have a recipe and I'll kind of take from each of oh, them okay. and decide which, which part of their recipe I like and then I'll kind of create the recipe for the shop. Okay. Um, and like I said, my mom, I mean, she does a lot of the cooking and then, of course, we have staff members who, who cook a lot of the food as well. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm teaching... Uh, a lot of Americans how to make all of these very South African things oh. that uh, that kind of cracks me up because I've always <laughs> said, you know, the Cook Sister is like a syrup-soaked donut, and it's something that's very hard to make, and it's very Afrikaans. It's very, very traditional South African, this Cook Sister. And uh, I've always said all the South African ladies would just die if they knew oh. that I was having Americans make my Cook <laughs> Sisters, but it's always under my eye, and I always make yes. sure they're doing it perfectly. so <laughs> They can relax. Yes. <laughs> now, you accept phone orders for pickup, because I remember your mom telling me one time that people will call in, and they'll drive from Tacoma just to pick up an order, and they do that because they would come up before without ordering and they would be sold out. Yeah, no, we definitely do. Um, a lot of it, times, especially if they're big orders, um, I mean, we do take catering orders and then we just take big orders. South Africans will come in and, or just anyone will come in and they'll yeah. want, you know, 20 of this or 10 yeah. of that. And that's not something, we, we do small batch baking, so we bake all day long small mm -hmm. batches as they run out. And so we don't always have a lot on hand of one particular item. Mm -hmm. um, and so s sometimes people have come in and they'll say, well, can I have 20 mulba puddings? And I'm like, okay, I only have 10 right now. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to wait for 30, 40 minutes for me to make some more. I can make them, but you're going to have yeah. to wait for them. So that's kind of an insurance that they get what they want. And we do get a lot of calls of I'm going to pick up this many of these and that yeah. many of those. And then we just make sure it's ready when they come in. Yeah. And you do cater as well still. You are going out and doing... Absolutely. Now that we don't have to be in a particular catering kitchen or a commissary that's mm -hmm. not our own, we do still do catering. Um, we still have some weddings. Uh, folks call us to do weddings. Um, and, and most of the time, we don't necessarily go out to the site and do a full catering. Oh, okay. Well, most of the time, it's somebody who just wants us to supply them with the food. And okay. then they, you know... I think buffet-style weddings is becoming more common, especially dessert buffets where mm -hmm. everything's just out on a table yes. and then people can go over and get what they want. And so often people will order a lot of our desserts um, okay. for those particular styles. Um, but we still do. I mean, we would cater if somebody wanted us to do like a full wedding and mm -hmm. we catered the whole thing and did the whole high tea experience yes. or we would certainly do that. And you've all still got all the equipment and the still dishes? Still got all the dishes. <laughs> and actually, my mom just told me last night for the first time how much those dishes cost her. I had no idea. Uh-oh, <laughs> you were like, you really love me. I know. <laughs> she she did not tell me that the dishes were like over $2,000 <gasps> just for the dishes for my wedding. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> and how many Jesus. settings is that? That was for 100 settings. Wow. So, um, yeah, I had no idea. I was like, uh, Mom, why did you do that? You never told me it was that much. She's and like, the ironic thing is... That she's the one who watches the pennies at the shop. She is the one who watches the pennies very closely. <laughs> Apparently not for my wedding. <laughs> not for her baby. <laughs> but that was her choice, not mine. I told her yes. that. <laughs> so I didn't ask you to do that. No guilt trips all these no. years later. No. no. Um, now, you had your second anniversary in June for the shop. So what have you learned over those years? How have how things evolved? Oh, goodness. That is a very big question. Um, we have learned so much. I mean, like I mentioned in the beginning, I don't have an MBA. My husband didn't have an MBA. My mom didn't. So there was really nothing that we knew about business. 
Um, it was quite audacious for us to yes. start this business with no background. Um, so we've learned everything. I okay. mean, everything has been, I feel like we've gotten an MBA in the last two years just on, on site. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll give you a couple credits toward that. <laughs> <laughs> so just even, you know, how to interact with staff, how to hire, what you're looking for, um, what, one of the most important lessons we learned, my husband reminded me of this when I saw your question and, and he said, one of the most important lessons we've learned is to stick to our guns. Oh. You know, when we first opened, um, people would come in and they'd want, uh, you know, where's the bagels? Do you have bagels? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Send them down to Einstein. Yeah, well, I, yes, when it was there, I would. But, you know, it's, but the thing was, is I would say to them, well, we don't have bagels in South Africa. I'm sorry. And, you know, and well, but can't. Surely there's so- bagels in South Africa. And I said, no, it's actually, there's no bagels in South Africa. We don't have bagels. The first bagel I ate was when I moved to this country. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, people would say, well, can't you carry this and can't you do that? And it was, it was stuff that they could get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so really it was that initial decision of, no, we're a South African tea house. We're going to stay true to this. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, the community and the people who came in and our customers learned who we were and what we were. And I feel like sticking to our guns and knowing what we were about and what our identity was mm-hmm. is what people were able to connect with. Yes, it would be diffused and, and not meaningful. Well, and I think if a South African came in and saw a bagel in the case, they'd be horrified. Yes, and they think it's not a tea house from South Africa. No, well, they would. it would be selling out to them, mm-hmm. you know. So the yeah. fact that we've really kind of stayed with what is traditional. Um, and now people know that they can come there and they know what to expect and they love what we serve. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about the rooibos tea, too, because that's unusual here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we have two different types of rooibos tea. Um, we do rooibos tea just brewed in a pot, um, and we have different flavors for that. And that would just be a traditional brewing of it. And then we also specialize in something called rooibos espresso, and that is rooibos tea, very finely ground, and then we pull it through the espresso machine. And I often have people ask me, is this traditional? Do you actually do this in South Africa? Is this just some gimmick you're giving us here in America? Mm-hmm. And no, it is actually since 2005, um, very traditional in South Africa. Um, a gentleman invented it down in the Cape, and he was drinking far too much espresso every day, and his doctor told him he was going to kill himself and said he needed to switch to something caffeine-free. And he said, but tea just doesn't do it for me, Doc. I need that strong espresso flavor that fills my mouth and coats my palate. And and so then he started to experiment with rooibos mm. and started to grind it and pull it through his espresso machine, and he kind of perfected it. And uh, and then he, st- he branded the product as Red Espresso. And since then, it's taken off in South Africa. Pretty much every coffee shop, all the main chains, there's one particular main chain called Mug and Bean, and that's kind of a sit-down restaurant slash coffee shop. Okay. And they kind of attach themselves to the Red Espresso and put it on their menu and in many forms. And, uh, and, and then it just spread like wildfire to every coffee shop and tea house. And so now it's something very popular that South Africans love to order a okay. rooibos cappuccino or a rooibos latte. And the rooibos latte is so good. Yeah, it's delicious. And so we, and it's so good for you. It's super high in antioxidants, caffeine-free, um, and just a really delicious, warming, you know, mm-hmm. treat. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's, so that, that's the other form of rooibos that we serve. Um, yeah. So what's next 
What's what's coming? Oh goodness, we have so many. I think when you're an entrepreneur, you really are a visionary and you dream. There's always a what's next. There's always a what's on the horizon. What's next? And for us, um, you know, the thoughts that we're having right now is we'd love to do a food truck. Oh. Um, there's a lot of food that I would love to cook, but I can't cook it because the kitchen doesn't have ventilation. We don't have oh, hoods right. and vents. So there's oh, a lot of well, welcome to hoodless in Seattle. Yes. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I know Lloyd Martin, Sam over oh, yeah. there is always complaining about his hoods and I'm in the same boat. <laughs> but it means I can't serve things like fit cook and burrovos rolls. And these are things that are super traditional that South Africans oh, beg okay. me for. Um, I have one South African who walks in every week and says, where's the burrovos rolls? And I say, I, every week I tell him, I'm sorry, I can't make them. I'm not allowed to in this space. And then he says, ah, you can't call yourself South African. You don't have burrowless <laughs> rolls. You know, and it's this joke between him and I. But the reality is South Africans would love it. And yeah. so if I could open a food truck and take the food on the road and take it to all these different areas where yeah. the South Africans are, I think that'd be really fun. Or ironically, cook it on the truck and serve it in a brick and mortar place. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. Park the truck outside my yeah. restaurant yeah. and just serve it in the restaurant. <laughs> Go outside and get it. Yeah. <laughs> So that, I would say that, that if anything is on the horizon, that is what we're looking that's into right. at this point. Oh, that's point. exciting. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You've done so thank well. You. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here today. No, thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Donna Cafasso with Nestle Waters International Brands, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. All right, so during the break, um, we decided that uh, we had so much fun with Jamie here today, we're bringing her back next month. <laughs> and when we do that, we're going to do, uh, no, she's not only going to co-host with us, but she's also going to be our interview, and we will be talking about her two events, the Seattle Food and Wine Fest, as well as POP. So um, look forward to that when the January edition comes out. But uh, we are at the end of the show, and of course, we don't want to just cut out right now. We've we've got some tips for the holidays, and uh, I'll let you guys go ahead and throw them out there. Okay. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I tend to be, while I love food and I've been around food my whole life and dined out and, you know, know everything about restaurant food. But when it comes to home cooking, I must say, I'm a bit of an efficiency cook. <laughs> and um, I think part of that is just, you know, I'm kind of a speedy person by nature. And so I tend to like to take shortcuts. And so what I'm saying to people out there is, I mean, a lot of people, you know, some of the joy of the holiday is really cooking from scratch and doing yes. all the old family recipes. When they have time. When they have time. And I think that's great. But don't be too hard on yourself if you need to take some shortcuts. You know, if you need to buy something that's kind of pre-made and you need to doctor it up a little bit, like I'm really good at that. Like I'll buy something and then I'll say, but I'll add two or three ingredients, yeah, yeah. doctor it up, put it with a nicer something or other. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I mean, I think it's okay to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can tell. Well, like a pie crust. I just, I yeah. don't want to make a pie crust. I want to go out and just get the graham cracker pie crust yeah. and be done with it. Yeah. Let's, let's, we want to get to the eating part. Um, so, <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to say that because I think 
think people sometimes take on so much at the holidays that they forget to enjoy the process along yes. the way and that the time you spend with people is so what it's about. Don't drive yourself too crazy. And then a great idea for you with leftovers that has been a super fun thing that I've done in the past, and it's called a soup swap. So you've got all these leftovers. What are you going to do? You know, you've got leftover turkey. You've got, you know, whatever, leftover prime rib, whatever. Is um, invite, even in early January, because you can freeze some stuff, oh, yeah. but invite six to eight people over. Everybody makes enough soup for everybody to enjoy a taste of everybody's soup that night. You just provide the bread and the salad, and then people bring smaller containers of soup, like a quart for each person to take home, and you go home with six to eight quarts of different soups. Oh, my soups. God, that's a lot of soup to take home. And so it goes in your freezer, and yeah. then every, and, and it's just a super fun evening. Yeah. You get to taste all these different soups, and then you end up with a variety of soups at home. Yeah. You know, enough for two in each you know, portion that you yeah. take home. And it's just a super fun party, and it's kind of a fun way to, to yeah. finish off the holidays. And again, another memory you can say, oh, yeah. such a fun evening. Remember when we tried this? Yeah, super fun. Yeah. I always Excellent make matzo tip. ball soup because no one knows how to make it well, and oh. I'm good at it. Yeah. Well, I won't say no one. You and Maria Hines. Yeah, there you go. Well, I maybe <laughs> not make it as well as her, but <laughs> but it's got a lot of love in it. <laughs> Connie, you got a quickie tip? Oh, I was just uh, you know thinking about um, as people are – probably overeating during the holidays. It's a good idea to choose breads and pastas and other grains that have at least three grams of fiber per serving. And, it'll, you know, if you buy something, it's going to say it on it. It just helps control your blood sugar response instead of you crash, you know, oh, up and down, up with and down, up and down. Because yeah. you, you can go up and down a lot with things like ciders and yeah, you've got so, and wines. And there's cookies and, and candy that you never so touch normally. Sugar. Yeah. So, you know, if, if a grain says enriched, it means it's been processed. So just look for whole grains. And if you're going to use a lot of sugar, see if you can't use something like a natural sweetener, maple syrup, honey, coconut. Agave. Agave. Right. Something mm. like that. Just, you know, just evens things out a little mm-hmm. bit. So. Oh, I got a tip, too. All right. <clears throat> uh, things like pies, you know, um, although we were talking about this with lemon meringue and it won't work, but like a pumpkin pie or a, or a pecan pie or any kind of a, a pie that'll hold for a few days, make it ahead of time because a it'll be a lot easier for you to uh, not have to worry about it the day of, as well as the flavors meld in the pie over one or two days. So if you make a pumpkin pie, it's so much better like two days later. Same thing with a cheesecake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and one of the uh, messages that I got from Donald Trump was he agreed and he said, <laughs> you need to make a pie and you need to build it now. <laughs> All right. It's time for us to go. So thanks for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. That's your those keywords. And whatever you do, don't cook like my mother. <laughs> Please don't cook like Tom's mother. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests 
and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.